And now, two pigeons bemoaning the fact you can stream DirecTV satellite-free. DirecTV gives you access to apps like Netflix and live sports right next to each other. I don't get it. Let me put it in pigeon terms. It's like that one amazing dumpster with the old fruits and cardboard all in one place. How am I supposed to keep up with illustrative metaphors when you are making me so hungry? Get live TV and streaming apps together without a satellite. Visit directtv.com. Requires high-speed internet-connected Gemini device and separate paid subscription to watch Netflix on DirecTV. Terms and restrictions apply. As you've probably heard by now, we've teamed up with BetMGM this season. We'll be using BetMGM lines to make all of our picks, and we'll have special offers for our listeners each week. If you haven't signed up for BetMGM yet, use bonus code THEATHLETIC, and you'll get a one-year subscription to The Athletic, plus up to a $1,500 first bet offer on your first wager with BetMGM. Here's how it works. Download the BetMGM app and sign up using bonus code THEATHLETIC. Make your first deposit of at least $10. Place your first bet on any game and claim your voucher for a one-year subscription to The Athletic. See BetMGM.com for terms. U.S. promotional offers not available in D.C., Mississippi, New York, Nevada, Ontario, or Puerto Rico. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. Available in the U.S. Call 877-8-HOPE-NY or text HOPE-NY 467-369 in New York. Call 1-800-NEXT-STEP in Arizona. 1-800-327-5050 in Massachusetts. 1-800-BETS-OFF in Iowa. 1-800-270-7117 for confidential help in Michigan. 1-800-981-0023 in Puerto Rico. First bet offer for new customers only in partnership with Kansas Crossing Casino and Hotel. Don't forget, if you haven't signed up for BetMGM yet, use bonus code THEATHLETIC and you'll get a one-year subscription to The Athletic plus up to a $1,500 first bet offer on your first wager. Welcome to Allocation Disorder. I am Sam Stasekul. He is Paul Tenorio. And Paul, this week we are brought to you by water. That's right, water. High quality H2O. You should drink it whenever you want to, especially if you're if you're running around in the hot sun. Um, stay hydrated. It's important. It's weird that you said that, Sam, because we honestly did not talk about what the ad was going to be, the, the, you know, the sponsor this week. And I have been like definitely excessively dehydrated this week and so you really i feel like that was like did you talk to my wife or something before this show no no you're on the heinz plan clearly um i'm on so the heinz there plan you, there you go paul get some water in your life you gotta hydrate to dominate as as the saying goes is that a saying i don't know it is now allocation my brother you gotta that. hydrate to dominate <laughs> there it is. Um, we have a lot to talk about. Atlanta United is the content gift that keeps on giving. Uh, they fired Gabriel Heinze over the weekend after, what, 13 games? Uh, things had not gone well for Atlanta on the field. Um, I believe they had an eight-match winless streak going when Heinze was fired, punctuated by a 1-0 home loss to the New England Revolution. Of course, there was a lot more going on behind the scenes. Uh, our colleague Felipe Cardenas reported on a lot of that stuff, um, some of it involving Joseph Martinez uh, and him being forced to train off to the side and not being included in the squad. And you have Atlanta fans chanting, Joseph, 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 at the game over the weekend at Heinze's last match. Um, you have a lot of reports, including some from Felipe, uh, about overtraining and CBA grievances related to said overtraining. And as I hinted right off of the top, um, 
a fun story about preseason and a training session or sessions in which Heinze prevented players from drinking as much water as they wanted uh, to sort of simulate match conditions. That that stopped <laughs> eventually, according to all of the reports out there. Um, but this was a guy who, Paul, I think both of us thought would would do well. I think we both thought it was a good hire. Uh, at least I did. I shouldn't speak for you. Yeah. Um, I mean, and uh, it's crashed and burned after 13 games, a third of a season, essentially. I thought that he had the potential to turn around Atlanta. But I remember talking to Felipe when he wrote the story at the beginning of the year um, about Atlanta. And we had, you know, he had been working on that story for a long time. We had been talking about that story for a long time. And I remember having a conversation about everything that was known about Heinze and everything that people Felipe was talking about at the time was like, this could, this could absolutely blow up or it could be like a huge success. And I just remember saying like, you know, this is all going to come down to like how Gabriel Heinze essentially can function with the Atlanta front office. Like how can they coexist? And, you know, ultimately, I think that this wasn't even Did, about the coexisting with the front office. It, it was the co- it, it was cohesion with the players. It was cohesion with everything else. It was yeah. like it was like the worst. You brought the problem was they brought like the most volatile personality they could into a club that was already on shaky standing as far as what its identity was, and that was lethal. Yeah, I don't know if it was the volatility. I mean, you can get away with those sorts of things. I was talking to somebody earlier this week about this whole situation. People don't really remember. Tata Martino, there were some of the same complaints about him. Not the him. first grievance that's been filed against Atlanta. Yeah, they, they had similar overtraining Tata. issues in 2017 under in the first season under Tata. And even after he left... You know, I remember hearing things kind of just on background that, hey, maybe not all Atlanta players are so sad to see him go, right? Because, like, they, yeah, they had success, but, like, it was a lot and it was intense and not everybody was on board with it, right? So, it can work, right, if if the guys buy in and if they succeed on the field. But when you're running a locker room the way he ran it, you have to win. You have to especially at a club like Atlanta where the expectations are sky high. But if you don't win and you're doing things like training every single day or withholding water or benching the star player who's the most highly paid guy on the team in Joseph Martinez, and you're not getting results, that's going to look really bad really, really fast. And I think that's kind of what happened here with hindsight. Like Tata could get away with it because guess what? Players can't complain when you're racking up three points every week. It's like, hey, I might not love this every single day. But you can't argue with it. With hindsight, you could argue with it. I don't know. I'm. I've tried not to become too much of a conspiracy theorist. I have friends Ooh. who are definitely. Where are we going? Where like we Sam, going? like <laughs> what kind of conspiracies? Feel... That's a dangerous. It's dangerous in these times. It just felt like toward the end there, Heinze was looking to get out. Like okay, yeah, I mean, if I want an exit strategy, what do I do? Let me bench the most prolific scorer in the club's history. And have him train away from the team and then spend my entire press conference after my eighth consecutive game without a win talking about this is a good team. Maybe it's just the coach's fault. Maybe the coach is an idiot. Essentially, 
by doing so, challenging both the intelligence of the media, the sincerity of the concerns that existed around the club, and daring your bosses to fire you. Despite those results, like in spite of those results, having the confidence to be like, (laughs) oh, it's not really me by saying it's me. Like it was just like to me, I was like, okay, he's got a ticket booked. He must have a sick buyout clause on a two-year guaranteed contract. (sighs) Was it only a two-year guarantee? Um, I mean, you, you mentioned a buyout clause. That wouldn't shock me, man. Like, you know, he was sort of like laughing on the sidelines. I saw a shot of him laughing on the sidelines during the last game against the Revs. And like, it didn't seem like he was like someone that was going to be crushed if it came to an end. (laughs) I'll put it like that. Right. I do wonder, and I don't know, I'm not a lawyer. I obviously have not seen his contract or anything like that, but I do wonder what the CBA grievances, if there's any room for Atlanta to try and argue that they fired him for cause and to not pay him out at all. Uh, and even if there is, I wonder if Atlanta would even attempt to go down that road because it'd be messy. Yeah. It's but, like, it's like the question, like the NWSL had to ask itself, like, should we open the door to like a messy legal battle over something that's like relatively <laughs> meaningless and like, doesn't really impact our business that much. And like NWSL was like, yes, we should. And we should continue yeah, to do let's, it. Let's dive right in. Will, and, will, and we'll never look back. That? Will Atlanta <laughs> do that too? Maybe Sam, I was thinking, um, or this week as this was unfolding, and I saw that press conference that I just referenced after the last game before he got mm-hmm. fired. I almost texted you this. I don't know why I didn't text it to you. I, I, I was I at a wedding over you. the weekend. So maybe, like, maybe that's why. You were respecting my boundaries. Yeah, yeah, trying to. Why? Like, who would you rate? I was like, there is nobody I would rate higher right now than besides Zlatan Ibrahimovic. Has there ever been somebody more likely to do an interview in his native country and absolutely crap all over MLS, like <laughs> all over MLS and everything it exists about. Like, like, hmm. the, like I would put, I will put $20 down right now to say that like within the next year, there will be multiple, not just one, multiple instances of Heinze just absolutely crapping on like the lack of pressure that the players feel in MLS, yeah. the lack, all the, those things that we, we hear, like, mm-hmm. I just, it's like, lock it, lock it in. Never yeah. bet MLS lock of the year. Yeah, I wouldn't bet against that. I mean, if you're, if you're going to rank some guys, Zlatan obviously did it while he was here, which was amazing. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> uh, another guy who did it while he was here, by the way, Dome Torrent. Yeah, Domei um, did not. Domei quit basically in protest. <laughs> maybe, maybe one of the best candidates for the open Atlanta United job is like I mean, Domei. Honest, honestly, like yeah, yeah, right. Probably number one on the list if you want somebody to help you short term that knows the league can come in and without too much transition time, you know, and has was successful in the league. You know what you're going to get. Like, yeah, he's number one on the list. I mean, he's not the easiest guy to deal with either, from all accounts. Um, and so who knows, maybe, maybe they ride Rob Valentino or as I like to call him, Bobby Valentino. Great guy. Um, Great guy, Rob Valentino. Really, (laughs) really one of the nicest guys probably in the league. I'm, I'm, you know, I'm rooting for him. He's got a a really like kind of sad backstory professionally for soccer. He, he was, he was drafted by new England. He actually played for two different MLS teams never actually made an MLS regular season appearance. 
and he got to midfield to make a sub to be to get in as a substitute and make his professional debut and the ball never went out of bounds and the game ended before he could get in and help New England close off a game. And I wrote about him. He was playing for Orlando City's USL club. He was their captain. He was like the trusted leader, veteran in the locker room. And I was like convinced that they were going to bring him to MLS just because he had been in the league before. He was like the most respected guy in the locker room. And I wrote about how like, you know, that was going to be his moment to finally get that chance that he had been working so hard for. You jinxed him, Paul. And he didn't, they didn't bring him up and he never played in MLS. Um, and yet, you know, now he's coached in MLS. Now he's coaching. And, yeah, and he's coaching I, I'm MLS. so like, you know, and he, I just, I'm rooting for the guy, you know, he's just such a, he was such a good dude. And, uh, and like, he's grinding it out, you know? Well, they drew at Cincinnati in his first game in charge. I don't think they see him as the long-term solution there, but, um, who knows, man, maybe they go on a, a hot streak and, and Rob Valentino keeps it. Um, that, I think that would be a pretty big shock to everybody. I don't think that's going to happen, yeah. W- like, where if you're Atlanta, where do you go from here? Because from what I've been told, they're pretty capped out in terms of money. Uh, the roster, I mean, maybe it's good, but it hasn't really looked like it. I don't think it's that um, good. Like, they have some talented players, but... Uh, I don't really know what you do if you're Atlanta. Like, what do you do next? Carlos Bocanegra is out of contract within the year. Um, Darren Eels and him have a lot of pressure on them now. This is two coaching hires in a row that they have got wrong, and they've publicly said they got wrong by firing both of those head coaches. One 13 games into a season and one shortly after his first season was completed in, in Frank DeBoer. So what do you do if they're them? Uh, do you think they're around long term? Where do you what do you think the profile is for this hire? Uh, where do you go from here if you're Atlanta United? Yeah, well, first of all, I mean, I think you have to believe at this point that Carlos Bocanegra is going to be back. Otherwise, why is he hiring the coach with Darren Eels? Right? Like, I mean, why things change, man? You know, Mike Burns was hiring a coach. And then three days later, he was fired when Bruce Arena came on board. (laughs) Well, I do think, you know, what's interesting, Sam, you and I talk about this all the time. I mean, look at the top five coaches in in the Supporter Shield standings right now, right? It's Bruce Arena, Brian Schmetzer, (laughs) Jim Curtin. Did you see this tweet? Let me pull it up real quick so I can give credit. So you you keep going, but who else am I missing? You're going to need to help me here. Um, I think it was Bruce, Brian, Jim. Just just five American dudes named Bruce, Bruce, Brian, Peter, Jim, and who's the fifth one? Why are we missing the fifth one? And Greg, Greg Vanny. Greg there we Vanny. go. Apologies. Um, that's from MLS Buzz account. Um, some American MFs named Bruce, Brian, Peter, Greg, and Jim. Yeah. Uh, and, reacting and, to Neville and Heinze. And, and, and so, like, I think, on. like... We we talk about it all the time, but we should talk about it seriously here about Atlanta. Atlanta's hires, let's be honest, they've all been about matching the stature of Tata Martino since he left. Understandably mm-hmm. so. He was yeah. the most accomplished coach to, to come to Major League Soccer, probably in its history, as far as where he had coached before coming to Major League Soccer. And he wanted he won a cup. And so in order to continue the brand in a way... 
Mm-hmm. You you try they tried to match that stature with the Bower first, Heinz a second. Both former players, yeah. very well known, huge both names, have success. Huge names. huge names. Didn't work. Maybe it's time to cast your eyes to the domestic pool and say, okay, <laughs> let's go get the best coach that we can get in the United States. And you know, or even for the rest of this year, let's go get a guy like Dom Kinnear, who knows how to win an MLS who can get us through this year and buy us time to to put together a proper search or to allow Dom to audition to have that job. I think that it's, you know, I think it's a smart strategy. I think it's something that they should do. I wouldn't hate it, but I don't think you necessarily need to be like, okay, like let's go hire somebody from domestic, even though like this is like, the, the hill that we die on every single show, it feels like. I'm sure the listeners are probably getting bored of that conversation. So I'll move past quickly. I think you need to take your time and hire the right guy. It doesn't need to be a big name. It doesn't not need to be a big name, right? It's just like, who do you want to be, Atlanta United? How do you want to play? And the coach sets the culture, man. Like more than anybody else in the club, the coach sets the culture. And so what do you want that to be, Right. And figure it out and, and give that person time to actually implement it. Because that's the other part of this. Is Atlanta United, the, the expectations are are so high. And if you're not in first or near the top of the table and playing, not just first or near the top of the table, because DeBoer was by the end of his first year in charge. Right? They made a conference final. They hosted it. They had a good regular season. Yeah, they, he relented. They won the open. He relented. They won the Open Cup because he relented, Right. But, like, they still got decent results. They didn't play fun soccer anymore, right? And, like, that was what the criticism was. But you got to pick a lane. You got to give the person time. You can't be reactionary with your signings, which I think they have been, particularly last year when you look at guys like Marcelino Moreno, Jurgen Dom, that sort of thing. Um, You, you just got to take a breath and be a little bit more calm. I'm glad you brought that up, Sam. Let's talk about that roster for a while. Let's talk about the other factor here. They've gotten coaching hires wrong. They got a lot wrong in this roster. They pulled the trigger too soon on trying to retool it and rebuild it. And I think that they made some bad decisions in kind of how they picked their battles, where they let guys yeah, go. I mean, where they we've been guys. over this a, a bunch. I just right? want to point and that then, out. Like when you said yeah. Jurgen Dom's name, I was just like, oh my God, let's just talk about that factor is like that this well, roster think, is not that good. I think that's directly tied to the expectation part, right? It, it's kind of panic mode when things don't go well. And when you're in panic mode, it's like, okay, what can we get right now? Right. And if that, that kind of leaves you a little bit compromised. And I think that's what we've seen with Atlanta. Um, I think they just need some stability there. They need, they need to just take a breath and make sure. Okay. This year, we might not be the greatest team in the world, but we cannot sacrifice 2022 for the sake of trying to get everything right in 2021. You can still turn it around, right? There's 20 games left for them this season, which is crazy. It feels like we should be like two-thirds of the way through the season. We're only a third of the way through the season, but that's a different discussion entirely. They have time to turn it around. You know, Eastern Conference, not the toughest always, Uh, and, you know, seven teams make the playoffs, right? So they can sneak in, no doubt. Um, but yeah, I think they need to take their time. I I wouldn't hate giving Valentino a little bit, a little bit of a longer look or bringing in somebody kind of on a shorter term contract just to sort of bridge the gap 
and see what you have and do a full reset and kind of figure out what you want to be. Um, so I think that's what I would do if I was Atlanta. There might be some short-term pain there, but, <laughs> you know, there's been a lot of short-term pain recently. It's turned into long-term pain. <laughs> and uh, if you want to break that cycle, I think you just need to, I think you need to really think this thing through and not rush into it. Yeah, it could go bad. It could go worse quickly. I mean, there's six points off the playoff line right now. And that's and 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 NYCFC has a game in hand, so let's call it seven points off the playoff. So line. so they win. So they win two games. They're right. right but I'm saying if know? they. But my point is, if they lose their next two games, which are which I, Columbus at home at Orlando, right? So then they are in real trouble, and you can just pretty much just start to kiss this season goodbye. So ah. Uh, <laughs> I don't have Atlanta making the playoffs. <laughs> I do not have. Atlanta I mean, that's fair, but like, literally, if they win three games in a row at any point in the remaining twenty games, they're going to be right in the conversation. So. MLS baby, no one <laughs> season is ever dead, ever. No one's dead. Um, speaking of teams that are close to dead, though, we're gonna get to them a little bit after the break. Um, we'll talk some Miami. We'll talk a little bit of Chris Mueller, Kyle Duncan, U.S. national team. We're gonna take a quick break and be back with all of that stuff. This episode is brought to you by Michelob Ultra, the official beer sponsor of the NBA. Want to get closer to the game than ever before? Michelob Ultra Courtside is giving fans the chance to win exclusive NBA prizes and experiences like official gear, courtside seats to an NBA game, and more. Head over to MichelobUltra.com courtside to learn more. Today's episode is brought to you by our old friends, Mac Weldon. Wouldn't it be nice if we could have things both ways, like a zero-calorie cheeseburger, internet ads in March that weren't just reminders to do your taxes, a dog that never needs walking after midnight when it's cold, a Manchester United that is consistently good instead of their current scattershot approach? Well, we tend to think of clothing as an either-or situation as well. People think looking sharp means starchy Oxfords and stiff chinos rather than effortless comfort. But it's possible to have it both ways. Mack Weldon makes timeless apparel with modern performance fabrics for guys who want to look and feel sharp without sacrificing comfort. From their light-as-air underwear to innovative anti-odor tees and versatile yet comfortable pants, Mack Weldon has a full range of clothes that never go out of style. I got a few things recently, including a long-sleeve polo, which I love, uh, maybe the most comfortable t-shirt, which I also love, and my new favorite sweatpants, the Ace sweatpant. It's exactly what I described above, comfort and versatile, but still stylish. It's the type of sweatpant I can wear to pick up my kids from daycare and not think, I'm now wearing sweatpants in public. The other parents will judge me. Now I just think, judge away, nerds, because you will never be this comfortable unless you're also wearing a pair, in which case, high five. Mack Weldon is not flashy. It's just classic, always in style, and made from the world's most comfortable performance materials. They're designed to fit both your style and the demands of modern life. So get timeless looks with modern comfort from Mack Weldon. Go to MacWeldon.com and get 20% off your first order with promo code TSS. That's M-A-C-K-W-E-L-D-O-N.com, promo code TSS to get 20% off your first order. Thank you to Mack Weldon for sponsoring today's episode. And we are back on Allocation Disorder. Sam Stasekull, Paul Tenorio, your friends, your soccer buddies, just talking about talking about soccer. <laughs> American soccer. I don't know where I'm going with this intro. Got pretty weird pretty fast. Regardless, let's talk a little bit about Chris Mueller and Kyle Duncan. You're wondering, Sam, why? Well, let me tell you why. (laughs) Wow. (laughs) What? 
coming you strong on with my intro? abilities today, Sam. <laughs> Listen, man, it's we're in the dog days of summer. It is what it is. But listener, you're wondering why <laughs> Chris Mueller and Kyle Duncan? You just gotta lean into it, Paul. Well, Chris Mueller, it was announced earlier this week, is leaving Orlando City after this season. He has signed a pre-contract with Scottish club Hibernian. Paul, we reported today that Kyle Duncan, New York Red Bulls right back, whose contract is also expiring, much like Mueller's at the end of the season. He has the ability to sign a pre-contract. He's been getting some interest from a couple of teams in France where he began his career, as well as in Germany. Um, so we'll see. We could see a similar situation happening with there as with Mueller. This is interesting to me for a couple of reasons. These are fringe national team guys, like very fringe, I think you would say. Um, they were both on the 60-man preliminary roster for the Golds Cup. Neither of them made it um, on the final squad. Uh, Duncan's been having a pretty good season with the Red Bulls. Mueller started really slowly for Orlando, but is sort of rounding into form now. Um, in his case, he's not moving to a league that's particularly better than MLS. He's not moving to a club that's particularly better than his own. I can't imagine he's getting a big, big, big race from what he was making or what he could have made had he stayed with Orlando. Um, and so... It's just, it's interesting for all of those reasons. And it's interesting because they actually want, they chose to, well, in the case of Mueller, he chose to wind down his contract and bounce, right? And he didn't take the lucrative offer or the more lucrative offer to extend and to stay. And he didn't put himself at the mercy of his club if he wanted to go to Europe. And I'm not sure it's a great move. It's, it's certainly not a move that's blowing anyone away in terms of wow factor or anything like that. But it is interesting. And I think it could be, Kind of a start of a trend. Maybe we'll see it with Duncan. I think we will see this with more players in the future going forward, though. Yeah, I mean, there's very little leverage that players have with Major League Soccer contracts. Um, MLS signs guys to really long-term deals with multiple years of team options. The typical deal coming out of a, a draft like Chris Mueller is a, a four- or five-year deal, right? A two plus mm -hmm. one plus one or a two plus one plus one plus one. And... You know, you really don't have a choice for a lot of these guys. There's not really great options um, outside of that. And and so, you know, I think that Chris Mueller looked at the situation and said, if I'm going to leave to go to Europe, the end of my contract, it has to be then. It has to be yeah. then or it's not going to happen. He's turning 25 very soon. And he, so. and he looked at what happened with Aaron Long and he said, okay, yeah, I can take the big money. But if I if I do get into the national team and I do start scoring, like and he was, right? He was starting to get into the national team January camps. Mm -hmm. He was playing well. He was thinking to himself, I'll be at the mercy of Orlando City to sell me. Which, by the way, not a great track record, Orlando City, of selling players. They're, they just, they don't have any track record of selling players and, and handled the Kyle Laren <laughs> sale poorly. And well. They would probably argue that Kyle Aaron handled that poorly. Yeah, but, but it, I mean, you can go back and read the story I wrote about it then. It was induced by their own behavior or their lack thereof. Um, Kyle Aaron was playing on his rookie contract while being the leading scorer on that team for multiple years with, with offers that were not real offers uh, to extend his contract. So totally different regime now, by the way, than, than handled – I'm not trying to put that on the current Orlando City situation. <laughs> no, put it on a ball. Well, I mean, it's the same owner. Be completely unreasonable. Same owner okay? and same, you know, <laughs> different sporting director. Let's make that clear. And coach. There you go. Um, but I think that this is a, a player 
grasping at the little control that he has in MLS over his future. And and that's, I think, why you'll start to see more of this happen. And yeah. And I think, Sam, there's a lot of pressure right now for players who are in the picture at all for the U.S. national team to try to go to Europe and produce if they really 100%. want a shot at breaking into the national team. A ton of pressure, like all consuming levels of pressure, right? Paul, you and I both hear stories from various people that we speak to. Anytime there's a national team camp, right? These guys are sitting around, they're hanging out. There's not much to do in these different cities that they're going to. And they're at the lunch table or the dinner table or the breakfast table or training or whatever. And they're all talking about who's going where in Europe, how much money people are making. And it becomes a thing where it's like almost sort of keeping up with the Joneses. These are your peers. You want to compete with them, um, not just for a national team spot, but like on a personal level, <laughs> right? You feel like you're not doing enough if you're not doing as much as the next guy. And so with more and more guys now in Europe, I think you're going to start to see more and more of a demand. Some clubs, you you can feel good about signing a longer-term deal and then being sold. Dallas, I think, is the prime example of that. They are they can't win a game, but they're selling guys left and right. Um, and, and there are some other teams that I think players trust, right? Matt Turner is an example of a guy who just signed an extension, right? And told me when I interviewed him not long ago that, that he thinks the Revs will sell him if they get a fair offer, right? Which we'll see. Right. Maybe if they do get a fair offer, we'll see. Um, but point being, like, I think we'll see more and more of this, particularly with guys that aren't homegrowns. Right. Because the homegrown guys, it's a little bit of a different ball game. They're starting younger. There are mechanisms for them to kind of be paid a little bit more than the college players right off the bat. Um, so maybe they're more willing to sign a longer deal. But you even saw it with uh, Jonathan Gomez in Louisville. Right, turning down homegrown deal with Dallas to go sign with a USL team in part because he wanted to have the ability to be free at eighteen. And and right? this goes back to what we talked about in the last episode. These young players are starting to recognize that they have interest in the global market, and yeah. some of the leverage that existed for Major League Soccer in the past, I think, is not going to exist as much in the future. And I think we're going to see some battles playing out. Not necessarily at the player level early on, but I think when you get to a certain point, when you start looking at how MLS is trying to cast this net to capture as many of these young players as they can into their homegrown um, system to be able to sell sure. those players, that they're, you're going to get some catchment. pushback, right? You're going to get pushback yeah. from those independent clubs in MLS next when MLS teams are coming and saying, all right, you, you've got a great kid. We want you to give him to us, Right. Well, they're going to want payment, right? They're going to want compensation, solidarity payments and all of that stuff, right? And they're going to say, well, why don't we just sell him? And then I think the next level of that is talking about the reserve league versus USL. You know, if you're an 18-year-old, 17-year-old, are you going to go and sign a four-year deal or a five-year deal with an MLS team and have that pathway and that money, right? Potentially sign a six-figure homegrown deal. Or are you going to look at Louisville or Indy and sign a two-year deal or a three-year deal? Where at the bare minimum, you know, okay, I'm giving myself an out because this contract right. is shorter. And it, it reminds me of a conversation I had with Tyler Adams a couple years ago. We were on a national team trip. I don't remember where we were, Belgium, I think, or something. 
And I, there's only a few to choose from when it comes to Adams. Yeah, he hasn't been true. on that many. It, it, it was it was pre Greg Berhalter. It was when Dave Sarakin was the interim coach. That narrows it down a bit more. But like it was right before it was officially announced that he was going to Leipzig. Because remember they held on to that announcement for the whole season, even though the deal was done. <laughs> yeah, and he actually talked about it going to. It was like he he talked about it like it was a done deal, and and he he talked about the fact that like. He knew if he signed that deal at the age that he signed, I don't remember if he signed at 15 or 16, Yeah, but, but that his deal would be coming up in a year where he was still young enough to go to Europe and he wouldn't have to worry about it. And mm-hmm. that's what that was part of the reason that convinced him to go. But not every homegrown signing is going to sign at 15 years old or 16 years old. Yeah. And so that's where, again, I just think, Sam, like you said, like we're going to see more of this. I just think we're going to see more players understand that there are European teams watching them and looking for these leverage points and and saying, no, I'm not going to sign that second deal if mm-hmm. I think I have a shot at Europe or no, I'm not going to sign that homegrown contract or I'm not going to go into an MLS academy if it means that I don't have to lock into one of these four or five-year deals. Do you think MLS and teams will ever change the deals? Because you mentioned it just then, they're, they, they're they're long contracts. It's team control for four or five years. Do you think if faced with you know a Gomez situation again, right? And they the league in Dallas didn't budge on that one, right? Uh, but he, do you think if faced with a similar situation in the future, they'll they'll change and they'll say, okay, you want a two year deal? We'll give you a two year deal. No, I don't because MLS never has. But I mm-hmm. I think it would require. More I mean, if the alternative just, is them just going elsewhere for free. Yeah. I mean, I think they're going to have to, I think it would have to be more than just like one or two more instances. I think it would have to become a trend. Yeah. You know, I think it would have to be, unless it's like, I mean, I guess I should say like, you look at like West and McKinney, like that was like a, a, a complete alteration of how MLS thought about yeah. solidarity payments how they thought about <laughs> homegrown players. How, uh, yeah, they I was going to say selling. the reason Chris Richards was a, was able to be a homegrown player like ahead of time because he wasn't in the academy for a year when he signed that contract because Weston McKenney left for free. At least from what it appears, I don't know that. I don't. No one's ever told me that, but from how it looks, that that seems why. I mean, MLS decided to change its policy on solidarity payments because it lost Weston McKenney for free. And they and they and were anticipating the next few transfers that they can now collect money on, right? Yeah, like that was a direct result of one player and losing. And they tried really, really, really hard to get Weston, and it was like a real, it was messy behind the scenes. Yeah, it was a whole thing. It was really messy, and and I just think that you know maybe if there's like a Weston McKenney level player, if Gomez goes and goes to the first team at Sociedad and becomes a superstar, maybe they're like, man, we can't let that happen again. We have to start having some attractive, more attractive contracts for these players that aren't mm-hmm. filled with more years of team options than they are of guaranteed seasons. But they've, they've started to try to make it more attractive with things like extra money that you have for homegrowns for these deals at in the yeah. supplemental contracts. They've added TAM that you can do towards homegrown deals. Under-22 initiative. Under-22 We've seen it initiative with, with a directly, few guys already. It's a direct response, right? It's a chance to give guys their second deals. Efra Alvarez, you know, Jesus Araujo. Ferreira, Araujo. Like, those are all done to incentivize these teams to lock these guys up, right? But 
you know, is there going to be an adjustment the other way? Is there going to be more flexibility? Maybe, maybe if more Gomez's happen. And I, I wouldn't I mean, be it's, surprised to see that. Neither. I mean, you just, you, you've ended that answer in a different way than you began it. <laughs> you contradicted yourself. Paul. I wouldn't be, I wouldn't Would be surprised, you be surprised to, see, to see more not, flexibility. Not to see MLS change its rules. <laughs> sorry. But to see more players make the decision not to go the homegrown route. Ah, okay. Sorry. I'm the idiot. Not Paul. I should have known that. I would have had I not been an idiot. Then we wouldn't have had any. No, I definitely phrased it poorly, but that's what I meant. <laughs> um, I'm glad you clarified. Uh, <laughs> yeah, I don't know, man. I think eventually we'll get to the point where, to answer my own question, I think eventually we'll get to the point where teams will be able to structure contracts however they want. And I understand why teams want to have these longer deals. Like it protects them. They developed a player. Right, they spent money on him in the academy. They brought him along. They gave him a chance as a pro. You want to be able to, you know, kind of reap the rewards, and a longer contract helps you do that. So I'm, I'm not faulting the teams at all for any of that. I'm not faulting the players at all for wanting increased flexibility either. Right? Um, Those deals also give security for players. I mean, there are not 100%. a lot of youth players in the these, rest of the world making eighty thousand no, dollars for five years guaranteed or, or, or three more years guaranteed more. And then for yeah, an under twenty two deal, a lot more. Right? A lot more. Um, so yeah, no, it's, it's not a, it's not like it's a bad deal. It's just a trade-off, right? And and what do you prioritize if you're the player? What do you prioritize if you're the club? I do think we'll start to see kind of a, a meet in the middle and I don't think that'll take too long. And I think what that is, is a three-year deal, right? Um, and typically now they're at least four, but I think we'll start to see some three-year ones. Um, you think that's crazy? No, I, I Sam, I, I want to say quickly, cause I, I came across it sounding like I'm like anti MLS homegrown deals or whatever. Like the number one thing I hear from people that are that work outside of MLS or like work in the soccer business but don't work for an MLS team or the league is like, are you kidding me with how much some of these kids are getting paid in MLS that haven't done anything or shown anything? <laughs> yeah. Like compared to what kids are making in a Manchester United Academy in some cases. I mean, there's a difference between the guys who sign professional deals in those academies, like these players are professionals, and those who yes, sign they kind start of the to make more apprentice deals. Yeah. But like you know, guys who are going to like Schalke on U19 contracts are making nowhere Peanuts. close, nowhere close to what homegrown deals are, you know, nowhere close. So, you know, I will say that. And, and in fact, I think that this reserve league is potentially an opportunity for MLS to course correct just a touch and to get some of these fringe homegrown players into professional contracts that are not... MLS professional contracts, which is what the design of USL was as well, to sign guys to deals that are paying them non-guaranteed, you know, $30,000, yeah, $40,000 a year yeah. contracts that, yeah. that are yeah. more in line with, the with fair or not, with the rest of the world. Yeah, no, I agree. I think, I think that'll be a little bit more. I mean, it's the, the whole thing's the maturation of the system, right? And it's kind of cool to see it happen kind of in real time. I feel like it's been happening... We're, we're picking these things where we're starting to see it like a little bit more clearer than we usually do over the last two, three weeks, which is kind of exciting for people like you and I. Um, but I do think, to get back to the original point, I do think we're going to start to see more guys do what Mueller is doing and wind down those contracts and not be so eager uh, to take that second deal. And maybe that's going to cost them financially, right? Maybe they're leaving money on the table in MLS, uh, and, but they want to bet on themselves. And betting on themselves means going to Europe and getting into the national team and staying there. So 
I think we're going to start to see more guys do that, particularly, maybe exclusively, American guys. Uh, I think this will be less of a thing with other nationalities. Um, but the American guys, I think, increasingly are going to try and do this. And we talk about proof of concept all the time, Paul, in terms of what MLS players do in Europe, right? And how that affects the perception of European clubs when in the transfer market for MLS players. I think there needs to be a similar proof of concept for young players and MLS clubs of, are you actually going to sell me when I want to be sold or when there's an attractive deal on the table? Right. And Dallas has that right now. And maybe, I mean, no one else really has it outside of one or two, right? Beyond Dallas. So maybe Philly, I guess. I mean, but, maybe uh, a little bit. I mean, it's kind of like FC Dallas used to be, right? Philly. I mean, you make a couple sales, but like, are you going to do it all the time? I think we're starting to see a shift, though. And I, I hope. I hope. Yeah. You know, like and I said, look how maturation of the process. Look how it's working out for Dallas. And that's the best thing that can happen to MLS is that every other owner looks at all <laughs> these sales happening in Dallas well, and says, you know, we want that. We want that money. Da- Dallas is also last in the league. So. Or last in the West. That is preventable, man. I'm telling you, that is preventable. It's like Uh, you need to do the other part of it. You sell players and then you buy players that are good. Yes, they've struggled with that part. (laughs) They have struggled with that part for sure. Um, All right, man. Well, let's take a quick break. We're going to come back. We're going to just kind of do some broad impression talk. MLS, Gold Cup, USMNT. We'll break it all down. Stay with us. Looking for an assist with your credit card, but can't get a hold of anyone? Luckily, with 24-7 U.S.-based live customer service from Discover, everyone has the option to talk to a real person anytime, day or night. Yep, you heard that right. You can talk to a real human and customer service at any time. Sounds like a real game changer if you ask us. Make the right call and get the service you deserve with Discover. Limitations apply. See terms at discover.com slash credit card. This episode is brought to you by Michelob Ultra, the official beer sponsor of the NBA. Want to get closer to the game than ever before? Michelob Ultra Courtside is giving fans the chance to win exclusive NBA prizes and experiences like official gear, courtside seats to an NBA game, and more. Head over to MichelobUltra.com slash courtside to learn more. And now, two pigeons bemoaning the fact you can stream DirecTV satellite-free. DirecTV gives you access to apps like Netflix and live sports right next to each other. I don't get it. Let me put it in pigeon terms. It's like that one amazing dumpster with the old fruit and cardboard all in one place. How am I supposed to keep up with illustrative metaphors when you are making me so hungry? Get live TV and streaming apps together without a satellite. Visit directtv.com. Requires high-speed internet-connected Gemini device and separate paid subscription to watch Netflix on DirecTV. Terms and restrictions apply. And we are back. Allocation disorder. Final segment of this week's show. We're just going to do a little whip around. And where better to start a whip around than in Miami? The city where the heat is on, Paul. My God. Five nothing. Old-fashioned Bruce Arena ass-whooping. The Revs went down to South Florida to drive Pink Stadium, and they 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 drove all over Miami, and then they parked, and then they put it in reverse, and then they drove over them again, and then they did it again, and one more time. And Phil Neville is talking about there's no I in team, and I, where do you even begin? They have eight points in twelve matches. They have not won a single home game. They've played six. 
that's hard to do in ML- Dallas, who I was just crapping on last last segment for being last in the Western Conference. They've played seven home games. They haven't even lost at home. They haven't won that many. They're 2-0-5, but they haven't lost. <laughs> Miami is 0-5-1 in, in six home games. How like They're just giving up goals left and right. They can't score. They have all of these expensive players, and they are just, they're booty. They're trash. They're awful. And I have no idea how they fix it at all. I think my favorite thing, though, is that Phil Neville is like the reverse Ted Lasso. Like, (laughs) he is. He is, right? Like, he's like, he's dropping, there's no I in team, which is like a bad Ted Lassoism, right? It's like a cliche that's like not good. it's not even funny enough or good enough to make. He's like an yeah. unlikable guy that's going from England to the U.S. instead of like a likable guy going from the U.S. to England. And yeah. I, mean, I guess the one thing that's the same is that like Ted Lasso. Well, I, I don't want any spoilers, so I'll stop there. But like Phil Neville's the reverse Ted Lasso. He's the reverse Lasso. Um, never, it's bad. You never man. want to reverse Lasso. You no, know, you don't. You don't want to reverse Lasso. <laughs> it's really bad. My favorite thing also was Iguain's reaction to the second goal. Where oh. He, oh, so good. Oh, my God. He about had a seizure on the field. So that was good. yikes, dude. I mean, Messi was maybe there. And also Paul Pogba, I think, was there. And Kimpembe as well, I saw. I don't know if that's true. I saw it on Twitter. Everything on Twitter is correct, so it must be true. But it's just like this team had all of the attention. All of the money, all of the star power. And like I, I went and I looked it up today. They've played thirty-five games in MLS. They have thirty-two points. They have a negative twenty-three goal differential. I, I've said it's it awful. before, I'll say it again. There's only one way to fix this. It's a complete teardown. It's gonna cost the owners even more money because they're gonna have to mm-hmm. sell Pizarro at a loss. They're going to have to sell some other players at a loss or trade them at a loss. I mean, but it, you kind of got to buy out one of Matuidi or Iguain. You got, right? you got it. Well, it depends on what you want. Like, if you want this to be a two-year rebuild, you sell Pizarro. And yes, it's at a loss, but it opens a DP spot for you to sell a young DP. Ideally, you yep. buy out one of the two really bad DPs. But even if you don't do that, at the bare minimum, you have to open one DP spot so that you can sign a young DP, which also allows you to sign... Two more young money players. So it gives you a chance to sign three off budget mm-hmm. players. You have to restock your allocation money, which means you have to trade LGP. You have to trade or sell Fagal. You have to trade or sell Lewis Morgan. You have to trade or sell Christian McCoon. I don't care who you're trading and selling and for how much. You've got to get as much as you can. And they're like to- full accumulate asset stage. Yeah. Like, I mean, they, it should like be a it's full on right like now. trust. It's like the trust the process sixers, man. But they like, have this to team be willing to take terrible. a loss. You're not going to make your money back on Pizarro. So you have to just take the loss and take what you can and get what yeah. you can for him, right? You, I, I think they will on that one, by the way. I don't know. We'll see. I mean, it, it just depends. I mean, they're, they've got to hope that Pizarro now goes to the Gold Cup and crushes it in yep. the knockouts and, and helps that price in Mexico. But they spent a lot of money on Pizarro. It's not going to be easy to make that back. Oh, they're not going to make it back. Yeah. They probably won't even make half of it back. But they've got to do but, it if they want to give themselves a chance at a two-year rebuild. They've got to sell and trade as many of those guys as I as I mentioned before, and sell Pizarro minimum. And ideally, yes, you buy out 
I don't even know which one would be the better one to buy out. I would buy out Iguaini. No, I would buy out Matuidi. If you buy out Iguaini, it gives you more options of guys to bring in to replace it. Matuidi, you can hide in some ways on the field. If you have Iguaini yeah, as your but, number nine, but I think you're stuck. I think Iguain, I think Iguain could be good. Yeah, I mean, I guess so. I guess so. Like he could score. He could. He he could score goals for you. You know. Like I think like Iguain could produce in a productive yeah. way. Like, and he's Matuidi, cheaper to buy out really too. Matuidi, he's cheaper to buy out. He is, you know, and you know, you already have the procedure where you paid him illegally, but once before, so you know how to hide. No, I'm kidding. Um, they can't do that again. <laughs> but I mean, maybe they can trade Matias Pellegrini. Maybe they can find some money there. Who knows, right? Like, I- look, I think they're gonna get. I think they're gonna sell Pellegrini, and I think they're gonna get some money back for him. Not a lot. They don't have any leverage. But I think they'll get some money back on Pellegrini that they can use towards the next young money signing. But also, like, let's be real here, okay? There's a very clear shift in leadership where David Beckham had a real big influence. He came out and said it. I'm I'm, I'm moving to Florida, Miami. I'm going to have my hands on this team more. They went with, you know, Matuidi, Higuain, Shawcross, Gibbs, Neville, very clearly Beckham's influence, very clearly old guys and friends of Beckham. And so the question is, are they going to, and, and, and before that, Paul McDonough, they signed young players and those young players did not work, right? That's what prompted the switch in strategy. So are they going to, is this ownership group going to recognize that they have to take advantage of the MLS rules as they exist today and that those rules are forcing you forcing you to sign young players in order to really maximize your roster that that has to happen you know they need to go get some two hundred thousand dollar cap hit dps they have to do it i mean yeah they do but they also like more than anything else they actually need production from their dps i think that's becoming more and more kind of calcified for me um over the years if your dps produce especially if you spend money on them, you're probably going to be pretty good, you know? And if they don't, things might blow up fantastically. And that's what's happening right now. They've, they've lost six games in a row by a combined score, 13 to one. That's like as ugly as it gets. Like it's, I guess they could concede more goals than 13 in six games, especially when five of those came in one, one of those games. Um, but I just don't know, man. I, th- I think it is a full teardown and they don't have the resources anymore that are given the extra resources given to expansion teams in terms of allocation money because of the fines and because they've probably used a lot of it. So uh, this is going to be a project that probably takes a couple of years to get out of. And, you know, I do wonder, it's the same conversation we had about Atlanta. I do wonder if the fact that, hey, it's MLS, you can turn it around, hurts them. And prevents them from kind of blowing it up maybe as much as they should. Sam, if they don't blow it up and they don't take some financial hits to sell guys at a loss and whatever to open that spot for young money players and all that other stuff, it will be early Toronto. It will be Orlando City. It will be Cincinnati. It will be a five-year just absolute suck for them. Yeah. That's what what it'll be. Yeah, it's 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 astonishing. If you're gonna be this bad in your first two years, you need to be like Minnesota United, right? Where they were bad in se- in year one and year two, they gave up like a million goals in each season, but they didn't bury themselves under terrible contracts. They kept their powder dry, and I completely disagreed with that strategy at the time. I thought it sucked. 
Uh, it wasn't as bad as I thought it was. I still think it was bad for whatever it's worth. It's really bad. And they made some ter- they made some pretty terrible signings uh, of their own, <laughs> but they weren't tied to those guys long term. And so when year three rolled around and when they opened that stadium, they were able to go out and make some splashes that got them where they wanted to be. Um, and that's not what's happening with Miami. I, I mean, Paul, I was talking about this with somebody the other day. It is amazing how much money these teams are spending to be awful. Awful. Miami, Cincinnati, Toronto, Chicago. Am I missing someone? Like, I feel like those are kind of the big ones, but like, we're talking about four of the highest spending teams in the entire league right there. Atlanta, too. You know, the bottom five in the Eastern Conference spending a ton of money and they're all awful. And it's just like, I don't know, man. It's, uh, it's entertaining and it's interesting, but it's also pathetic. Like, it's hard to spend that much money and be that bad straight up in MLS. Like, it's hard. And they've, they've all managed to do it. Um, Anything else on Miami? You got any no, other teams? I was going to say it's about? hard and it's not because, like you said, man, you miss on your DPS, which is where all that money is focused, and you're you yeah. suck. So, um, no, yeah. I mean that's it for me, Sam. What about you? What else are you looking at around around MLS? I just want to give some love. I want to hand out some flowers. You know, we we talk, we hate it. We do a lot of hating on the show. Sometimes it turns hate, into hate, the player hate, haters hate, ball. Hate, 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 hate. Um, so I'm going to give some love, man, and I'm going to give some love, starting with the Colorado Rapids. They won again. On Wednesday night against FC Dallas, uh, they are, I believe, in fourth in the Western Conference. Fourth in the Western Conference with a seven three and three record, plus eight goal difference. I think they have the fifth best points per game average in the entire league. Um, Robin Fraser is doing a really nice job, and Porig Smith has done a really nice job, and they made some mistakes for sure. Uh, Anthony Hudson, not the best hire. <laughs> In MLS history, to say the least, as head coach, um, you know, they, they talked about the Rapids way and wanting to play attractive flowing soccer. And it wasn't that at all for a year and a half, two years. But now it is. And they're doing it on a budget. And they're doing it in a way that I think is unique. You know, they're starting to get a production from their academy, Sam Vines, who seems to be being sold on to Royal Antwerp here pretty soon. Cole Bassett, another one that they're getting production from. But they're mostly doing this by picking guys off the MLS scrap heap, you know, and trading for them and saying, hey, we have allocation money that maybe we don't need to keep to use to buy down salaries that we're not really spending on. So we're going to go and trade it for younger players who have a good track record in MLS. You see it with Kellen Acosta, Austin Trusty, Lala Sabubakar, uh, who am I missing? Diego Rubio. Keegan Rosenberry. Keegan Rosenberry, Michael Barrios. You know, all guys that have contributed in pretty positive ways to these teams. And, you know, credit to them. I've ripped the Rapids in print before. And they've done a really nice job turning things around. And I think other teams could learn from their, uh, learn from what they've done. Because they, they've leaned into a model, right? And they've sort of found a little bit of a market inefficiency in terms of going out and trading for players within MLS. And it's working. And Robin Frazier's doing a really nice job. So credit to the Colorado Rapids. I wanted to shine some light on yeah, that. Yeah, I would imagine that's a, a bit data-driven as well. You know, I think... Yeah, that's Fran, their approach. Fran Taylor um, is there who has a data background. Um, Porg Smith, too. He's, he's Smith. never been shy about that. Yeah. yeah, Fran Taylor worked at StatDNA, which, you know, Arsenal bought. Um, obviously, connection with Arsenal, same owner. 
Um, yeah. But, you know, I, I, I've always said this show has always been an advocate that there is talent in Major League Soccer that is undervalued and underappreciated and is way cheaper than what you can get on the international market and typically also doesn't cost you an international roster spot, which makes it yep. even more valuable. And I think Colorado is proving that right. I actually want to give a shout out to Montreal. Which I think yeah. sort of followed that same idea. Did we? I mean, I ripped him for the Mahalovich trade, how much they spent on that. Yeah, I mean, I do still think in some ways they overspent on Georgie, but they but in the relative plan was that they could get Georgie for cheaper than they could get somebody who did what Georgie did on the international market. And mm-hmm. if that's the idea of how you're gonna build this roster, it works. He's been yeah. productive. You know, they went and traded for guys like Kamal Miller. You know, yeah, Mason Toy, Mason Toy, and 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 I also Wilfried Nancy deserves a real shout out. Oh man, especially with the circumstances. Yeah, right. They're they're now back in Montreal and they're playing up there, but they were in Florida, living in a hotel. By the way, right? Toronto and and Vancouver. Vancouver's still in Utah, but Toronto and Vancouver they had different setups. Vancouver, every player has an apartment. Some of them are rooming together. Some of them aren't. Their families are down there, all of that jazz. Toronto, again, similar situation. Guys could be in a hotel. Guys could be offsite. They kind of had options. Um, Montreal primarily was in a hotel. That's a different lifestyle. You know, you're a little more cramped. You're a little more locked in. Um, So, really difficult circumstances. And I didn't even mention the fact that he took over really unexpectedly, like right before preseason began. So, yeah, huge credit to him. Maybe, like, I don't know. I mean, like, if they keep going the way they are, coach of the year? Yeah, I mean, Robin Frazier, too. Both of them in the conversation. Yeah, I would put Bruce Arena and Brian Schmetzer in that as well. I've got a real trend this year, Sam, at least privately, privately in our conversations of volunteering you for for road trips. But, you know. Yeah, you do. This is your favorite thing. It's my favorite thing to do because I can't do it anymore. Paul's like, Paul's like, I have kids. Sam, you don't have kids. Yeah. You need to go on the road constantly. <laughs> yeah. I'm like, no, yeah. no. I also have a life. But I also I pick good cities for you. I'm like, Sam, like right, I'm about to do right now. Sam, you should fly up to Montreal. Have some, yeah, con- some duck confit. S- soup. It's super easy to get into Canada right now. It's a great. Fly idea. to Montreal. You're vaccinated. Fly to Montreal. Get some duck confit and and sit down with Wilfred Dancy for a little bit. He's a super interesting. I mean, story. all right. I'll, I'll I'll go back. I'll revisit the impact. Story yeah, that's your city, that bro. I mean, it, it's not. It's I don't even have to fly. It's not that far from. It was. It was my city. Back. My first year covering Orlando City. They played like they played two away games in Montreal. I loved it. I stayed at a hotel right across from this. Restaurant that had duck confit, which I love, and I ate it for like every meal. Do you, do you like duck? I love duck. You you, you never talk about it. <laughs> anyway, uh, but no, it's a point well taken about Montreal. I did also want to talk about Vancouver. It's mostly because they're top of mind for me. I just submitted a story on the Whitecaps. I was actually randomly out in Utah, and so I spent a little bit of time with them. Um, Paul, I'm curious what you think of this. I talked to Mark Dos Santos. I talked to Andy Rose. And they're like, yeah, it's been hard, man. It's been hard. Hardest experience of my professional career, which was what Mark Dos Santos told me. And, you know, they're not anyone's definition of a good team. They have 13 points in 14 games. They have one of the lowest goal differentials in the league. They can't create at all in possession. I think they only have eight open play goals this season, which is kind of astounding. They're good on set pieces, though. Got to watch out for them there. (laughs) But they kind of think they're on the cusp. They're like, yeah, it's been bad, 
But if we get a number 10 and Dos Santos is like, and we're going to get one. Like he told me last week that they might have an announcement this week, which doesn't really seem all that likely at this point, but we'll see. They're like, if we get a number 10 and we can just clean a couple things up defensively, like, I think we're going to make a big jump when we get back home. We're going to have that boost as well. I know I'm sort of putting you on the spot here because you probably haven't watched a ton of Whitecaps games, <laughs> but do you buy into that at all? I mean, their underlying numbers are are bad, but they've also dropped six points in, in the last 10 minutes of games this year. So it's it's not like it's things that they can't necessarily correct. The margins have been pretty fine. Yeah, no, I don't buy it <laughs> there's all right there you go there's just been no real indication from them over the last couple years that they're close you know i mean to your point to be honest i the number of games i've watched vancouver i mean the most memorable memorable game i've watched in the last couple of years mm-hmm. involved vancouver but like most memorable game in, of all time in of all, MLS. yeah of all time obviously yeah um, yeah thank you but i i i just no, I mean, like, maybe I'm like a, you know, believe it when I see it kind of guy in general. I don't know. I, I, I don't think so. I think I can look at a team and say, hey, I see something happening here. Like, I mm-hmm. I feel like I was like a believer I mean, early the, on the, in Minnesota. If, if they sign a DP number 10 is like a pretty large change. Yeah, but also it's, right? like, it's like I'm looking at Austin. Like, if you Austin has 13 points in 13 games versus Vancouver's 13 and 14. I look at Austin, I'm like... If they sign a number nine, I could see them making the playoffs, a, a, a productive number nine, right? Like, I believe that there is enough there. I can see how it was built. I can see how it's a missing piece. I don't feel that way about Vancouver. I think they're I know, more man. than one piece away. I mean, from being a playoff team, I don't know that they are. Anyone can be a playoff team in MLS. It's MLS, baby. They're all- I keep saying that. But they have some good pieces, man. I like this Daber Caicedo kid. I think Kyle, Kyle Alexandre, Alexandre, I think that's how you say it in Portuguese, but probably not. I gave it a shot. I think he's got some good stuff with him. Lucas Cavallini, if he gets service, he can put in goals, right? Um, I, I don't know. Michael Baldissimo, I don't know. Have you seen him? I kind of like him. Homegrown midfielder. Paul's, Paul's like, Sam, shut up about the Whitecaps. Yeah. I, I don't know these people. There's too many teams. We can't keep track of it anymore. I mean, Sam... If people are still listening to this podcast an hour in, we've done an incredible job, and then you just dropped like five minutes of White Cavs talk on them, and they're all gone now. Dude, listen, I'm just here to to shine some light on the teams that don't don't get light shined on them. All right, I just want to say the, that the, Cap, the Caps fans have been through a hard time. If, they haven't been to see, been able to see their team in two years. All right, if, just trying to give them a little TLC. If my buddy Dylan Hernandez is listening to this podcast in Tokyo at the Olympics. This is wow. definitely. I bet he's not. Definitely <laughs> getting chalked up high on his list of him texting me. How do you and Sam know so much about these random people in Major League Soccer on yeah. these random teams? Sam, this is high on that list. Because we are damaged individuals. <laughs> we really Thanks for are. listening to Allocation Disorder. We'll be back next week. 